0: Thank you, Chris. Thank you, worship ministry. I'd invite you to take your Bible. This will be a hard one to find this morning. Genesis 1. All right. Genesis 1, the very first page of the Bible. If you know anything about me, you know that I participate in a weekly podcast called the Better Than Fiction Bible Podcast. Uh, Gandalf, our media director here, as well as my good friend, our good friend, Nathan Van Horn, the pastor of First Baptist Church of Corinth, the three of us do a weekly podcast of walking through the Bible. We've been at it for over two years now and we're all the way to Genesis 19. So we're going really, really slow. You thought you had it bad in John. Well, we're going really slow there. Well, one of the things that reading slow through the scripture has shown me is there is always more to discover in the Word of God. And careful reading slowing down and asking questions has helped me grow in my understanding i'm not saying necessarily that i understand it all of course not i'm not even saying i understand more i think what it's taught me is to ask more questions nathan tells a story years ago he had a project for mississippi college he and i went to mc together But he had a project where he had to go and attend other worship services outside of a Christian worship service just to get a feel and then write a paper. It was a class on comparative religion. So one of the places that he went was a Jewish synagogue. And then afterwards he was speaking to the rabbi, to the teacher there, and he he said, you know, I have a question, rabbi. He said, you know, what is different about how Christians and Jewish people read the scriptures outside of seeing Jesus. Obviously there's going to be disagreement there. What's different from the way you read and the way we read? And he said, oh, well that's, that's easy. Christians read looking for answers. Jews read looking for questions. And I've thought about that and Nathan has thought about that as well. I, certainly believe that there are answers in the bible but i think there's something there for us that it's good to read the bible to learn to ask questions and sometimes even if the question cannot be answered the asking of it will still bless you this question occurred to me when we were working through genesis it's something that kind of jumped out at me that i'd not paid attention to before And we're going to work through it this morning, but when we were doing the podcast through Genesis 1, on one of the podcasts, I don't remember the episode, but I even asked the question, I said, hey, why is that there? That doesn't make sense. Why is that that way? And we just blew on past it. And for the last two years, I've been thinking about it, meditating on it, and reading available material and not really being able to come up with a good answer until really this last six weeks as I've thought about this passage. But I'm going to read to you all of Genesis 1 this morning, the whole chapter. And I want you to pay attention to patterns. I want you to pay attention to patterns. Notice what's the same, and obviously the absence of pattern or where the pattern breaks, what's different as well. So let's begin in the Word of God this morning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And here's our summary verse, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Last week we spoke about God's goodness, and that God is good. Today I want to talk about God's goodness as defined from the beginning. There's a way of interpreting the Bible, and it's the way the ancients did, is that if you want to know what a word means, go to the first place it's used in the Scripture. And the first place that word is used, all the Scriptures that follow that occurrence are borrowing from the usage of that original usage of the word. So if we're going to talk about God's goodness, where's the first Time that goodness is spoken of in the Bible? Well, Genesis 1. So, goodness as defined from the beginning is what we're going to speak about today. And here's our main st- statement if we use Genesis 1, or 1 through 3, really, but mostly for our purposes today, Genesis 1, we can see from the beginning what is good. If we use Genesis 1, we can see from the beginning what is good. So here's our first principle. It's this. The first mention of good in the Bible is found in Genesis 1. Look down in verse number 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was... What's our word? Good. Okay. The first mention of good and the whole bible is right here at the very beginning in verse number 3 or excuse me good is mentioned in verse number 4 after the creation of light now not to make us language experts but it is interesting the way you say good in hebrew is tobe it looks like tob as in tobe or tob but it's tobe it's the hebrew word for good It's the same word that's used in Genesis 3 when God made the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Tov is the word for good. And then evil or disaster is ra'ah. So tov and ra'ah. But ra'ah is not found. Evil is not found. Disaster is not found in Genesis 1. Only good is found here. So the first mention of good is found Right here in Genesis 1. So all throughout the Bible, if you want to talk about God's goodness, you have to consider the first time goodness is mentioned. And it's right here in Genesis 1, verse number 4. Here's the next thing to consider. Only the light is called good on the first day. Now, if you look at the other days, for instance, look down in verse number 12. The earth brought forth vegetation plants, yielding seed according to their kinds, trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good at the end of the creative day that God looks at it and calls it good. But that's not what takes place on the first day. The first day is different than the other days because the whole day is not called good. This is something, it's one of those things if you slow down and you consider the text, you say, oh, well, wait a second. God doesn't call the first day good. God only calls the light in the first day good. So only the light is called good on the first day. Well, what is the light? Well, the light represents God's glory and order. The light represents God's glory and order. Like, have you ever considered, where did the light come from? Like, where was it? Well, Before we even look at that, let's back up to verse number two. And I don't know why I have never thought of this. Um, But again, slowing down reading the text, it starts to make sense. Because I've always wondered, why does it say evening and then morning, the first day? You know, this is why on the Jewish calendar that the evening is the first part of the day and the morning is the end of the day. But why does it do that? Why is it the evening comes first? Well, because it, that's what it says in the scripture. Look in verse number two. So when God, in the beginning, verse number one, God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. So the earth is without form. It's again, it is without form and it's void it's empty so it hasn't been put together and it's empty and there's water present okay and god's spirit is hovering over the face of the deep but not just that god's spirit was there but there's darkness okay so we got to think of a couple things and this was the most difficult thing for me in learning to read genesis as they wrote it and as they read it when i hear in the beginning in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth when i hear earth i think of a globe i think of the planet the blue marble i think of that that picture from nasa of from the space shuttle pointed back at earth having the shot seen all the clouds and the continents When I think of Earth, I think of the globe. I think of the planet. And when I think of the heavens, I think just endless, endless space out there. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the James Webb Telescope. Absolutely fascinated. Been working on it since the early 90s, and it's just been deployed in this past year, and it has already expanded our understanding of space exponentially exponentially. For instance, just a few years ago, it was thought of that there were between 200 and 250 billion other galaxies in the universe. Now, we live in one galaxy called the Milky Way. But now, since the James Webb has been deployed, they said, no, we've made a mistake. There's somewhere between 6 and 20 trillion galaxies, not 200 to 250 billion wow, it's a whole lot bigger than we thought. So when I think heavens, I think just these far reaches of planets and stars and all of those things. And again, like you, I grew up in the 20th century, the product of the teaching of the Big Bang, the singularity that the universe began with a bang and then space began to spread out, time, space, matter, and energy just exploded. But that's not the worldview nor the frame of reference of the Bible. The Bible is not here to tell us how scientifically the world works. The Bible is God's story. Now, the Bible certainly does tell us that God created the world and spoke the worlds into existence. We see that here. But Genesis 1 is not to teach us science. First and foremost, it is to teach us God's relationship with his creation. Because in this first day of creation before god says let there be light there's darkness there's water and the spirit of god is hovering over the water and then god says let there be light now from where does the light emit there is no sun there are no stars at this point according to genesis where is the light coming from Theologians of all stripes say from God, God is light and God is unveiling his light in his creation that from Genesis one, verse two, this is what's so significant that in his creation, in the heavens and the earth, because God created both of them, the place of the angels, the place of the humans, all right? That God has placed himself in his creation. That in this darkness, in this emptiness, in this void, God was there. And then he opened up his glory and shone his light as this first act of creation. So where does the light come from? Well, it comes from God. The light represents God's glory and order. Now, there's also darkness spoken of. The darkness doesn't represent God's glory and order. Rather, the darkness represents chaos and disorder. Now, this is is a shared worldview of almost all the ancient religions, is that they understood the darkness to be chaotic and, and evil and bad. But notice, the Bible doesn't call the darkness evil. And that's very important because later in this message, we're going to see why it doesn't call the darkness evil, but it only calls the light good. And darkness, this idea of chaos, empty, void, disorder, God speaks his order and light into this first day. So only the light is called good on the first day. Let me say this one more thing. I wasn't going to say this. I was trying to figure out why is it that the evening comes first? Well, because look at verse 2. At the beginning of the first day, what was it? It was dark. And then God said, let there be light, and then the day ended. So it began in darkness and ended in light. I was like, oh my goodness, can it be that simple? Yes, it can be that simple. So that's why it says the evening comes first, because God put the darkness first and then created the light. So the evening, then the morning, was the first day. Okay. The next thing is that after God makes humans, all creation is called very good. I already told you the Hebrew word for good, which is tov. Very good is meod tov or tov meod, which just means very good. We get this in Genesis one thirty one. Let me read it to you. And God saw everything that he had made that means everything in all six days of creation, and he called it very good. It's very good. So the completed creation declares the glory and the goodness of God. All the creation together, the darkness and the light, the seas and the land, the sun, the moon, and stars, the animals, so on and so forth, God looks at all all of it, and declares it good, he looks at not just that, he looks at man who's been placed on the earth and only after the creation of man does God call his creation very good. Reminds me of Psalm 19 and verse number one, which says this, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Principle number four. Principle number four. Here was my question from the podcast. I'm reading along. In fact, before I read principle number four, I'm going to read the second day again. Let's look at verse six. And God said, let there be an expanse. Someone who has the KJV. What is the word? Firmament. Let there be a firmament. Okay. In the midst of the waters... And let it separate the waters from the waters. And let God, excuse me, let it separate God waters from the waters. And God made, the word there made is not the same word as created. It's a word that means fashioned. And God fashioned the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. I remember that day on the podcast and I said, wait a second. There's something missing on the second day. The second day of creation, there is no mention of anything being good. Do you see it? Like, wait a second. Oh, day three, it's good. Day one, at least the light is good. Day four, it's good. Like, what, what's wrong with the second day? Like, was God just like day one, the light's good. Day two, eh, let's get to day three. All right, now we're good. Like, what's going on there? Well, let's look at what God creates and why maybe he would say something like this or not say something like this. Well, God creates on day two. What does God create? Well, he creates the firmament, the firmament. Now, when we think of firmament, it's just not a word that we use at all. We don't use that at all. But if you hear the word in there, what is the English word there at the beginning? Firm. When you hear the word firm, what do you think of? Do you think of something soft? Do you think of something translucent? Or do you think of something solid? Think of something solid. And that's why the word there for made the expanse means fashioned. Because the word here in the original language in Hebrew is "raqia" for firmament. And it has the idea of a hard fashioned top. That God is literally putting a canopy, a top, onto his creation. And that he is using the canopy... To separate the waters above from the waters below. Now, if you're still thinking about the globe and how this works, it's not going to work. Because this is not a description of how our globe works. This is a description of God's relationship with his creation. Day number one, remember what it is. God is there. The water is there. And his spirit is hovering over them amidst the darkness. And he says, let there be light. So there is light everywhere. But day 2, he creates a firmament. Now what takes place is the firmament separates the presence and glory of God from the heaven above and the waters and the world's the world below them. Now this is the part that took me two years to understand. And if you're not getting it, it took me two years. Okay? So you get a pass today. But this is so significant. The firmament is what separates the heavenly places and where we are on earth. For instance, you remember at Jesus' baptism, the firmament is opened. And the Holy Spirit descends from where? From heaven and rests on Jesus like a dove. Stephen, when he's preaching before the Sanhedrin, says, Behold, I see the heavens. He's speaking of the firmament. It's opened and I am able to see God and his glory because right now the firmament hides the place where God is and the place where we are so as i thought about that if on day two god creates the thing that separates himself from his creation maybe that's why he doesn't call it good now ultimately everything that god makes is good but on day two he makes this thing called the firmament and that place where his light was revealed where he's hovering over the face of the waters, is now separated. The glory of God and the light of God is now separated from the earth. And this is why he's going to have to make lights to place in the firmament, the sun, the moon, and the stars, because now his light is hidden from earth because the firmament is hiding it. So, next principle. From the beginning, there are the presence of things which are not called good. Why? Well, we've already pointed out a couple of things which are not called good. Number one, the darkness is not called good. Number two, the firmament apparently is not called good, nor is the second day. Now, they're not called bad, but they're also not called good. I think we all understand that. Some things are not bad, but they're not good either. So, from the beginning, there's the presence of things which are not called good, and my question has been for two years, why? Why would God make something that's not called good? And what is this darkness, and where does it come from? Do You know what the Bible says? Because here is where the Christian Bible and the Jewish Bible take major issue with the other ancient religions. The other ancient religions see the darkness as eternal and that the darkness is just there and these powers of, of chaos are churning. And the idea was that in the ancient Mesopotamian Babylonian religion, Marduk, the great monotheistic god of ancient Babylon came and he conquered the darkness and the chaos and it nearly killed him by the way according to the legend or then you have the Egyptian mythology and the Greek mythology and the Roman mythology and all the gods have to come and deal with this thing this eternal darkness not the Bible though the Bible takes very a significant difference to those Listen to Isaiah 45 and verse number 7. It's a strange verse. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. Now, here's what's interesting. Um, I make well-being and create calamity. That word calamity there is, this, is the Hebrew word I mentioned to you earlier. Ra'ah, which is the same word used in Genesis 3, is evil. So if you have a KJV, it says, I make well-being and create evil. I am the Lord who does all these things. All right, leave it up there for a second, because that verse just bothers me looking at it. Now, what do you, well, hold on, God. What are we saying here? You form light. Yes, bless your name, O God. You are the God of light. And you create darkness. That just seems depressing because I thought darkness was the enemy. I thought darkness represented the powers of chaos. Well, darkness does represent chaos in the Bible. But according to Isaiah 45, it was God who made the darkness. Hmm. Well, then, God, why in the world did you make something that you wouldn't call good? If Isaiah 45 and verse number 7 says you create darkness, but I'm looking right here at Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 4, and God saw that the light was good and separated the light from the darkness. You made it, but you didn't call it good. And that's amazing to me that the Bible is so specific that the first day is not called good, but only the light is called good. So why would God do something that's not good? I thought everything that God does is good. Didn't we read that last week? Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, with whom there is no variation nor shadow due to change. James 1.17. Well, amen. So what in the world is God messing around with darkness for? Why is he creating darkness? Because the darkness has to be bad, right? Well, again, darkness is not called bad, but it is created. The Bible tells us God created darkness, and why it leads me to the next thing and the final thing. And then I'm going to give a personal story, and I'll close. The darkness always serves as the backdrop to reveal the glory of the light. Pastor Randy quoted this verse a few moments ago. John chapter 1, verse number 5. The light shines in the darkness. Oh, by the way, I just wish I could preach John right now. I'm telling you what. I just love John chapter 1. Because if we were in John chapter 1, don't go there, but I'm going there. I've just, it's so good, I've got to say it. I want you to listen to the verb tenses. Past, present, future, what do you hear? Let's uh, use the now King's English, no longer the King, Queen's English. In the beginning was the word, was, what tense is that? Past. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's all past tense. And then it gets to verse number 5, which is there on the screen. The light shines in the darkness. That's present tense. That wherever the light is... It is shining, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, how do we make sense of this? Wait a second. How is it that the darkness has not overcome the light? Because, I mean, (laughs) hello, the Middle Ages. I mean, what about all these bad things that happen in history? What about all this tough stuff? What do you mean the darkness has not overcome the light? I mean the light is presently shining in the darkness and the darkness how do we make sense of this? But remember where is the light shining? It's shining on the other side of the firmament. The place where God is where there's always light. To tie it together, this is where the answer came to me. I was reading Revelation about the new heaven new earth. I want you to see if you can help me make sense of this now. Look at Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, this is Genesis 1 language. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, okay? He's starting all over. For the first heaven and the first earth, they had passed away, and the sea was no more. Isn't that strange? We're like, the sea is no more, but if you go back to Genesis, it was the water and the firmament that separate the heaven and the earth. What is the writer of Revelation, John, telling us? In the world to come, there will be no more firmament. There will be no more waters above. There will be no more opening of the heavens because the two will be one. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself... Um, will be with them as their God and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away and I don't have time to go there but if you read the rest of 21 and 22, what is no longer needed in the new heaven and the new earth? The sun, moon and stars. Why? For the glory of God will be the light. So how do we tie this in to Genesis 1? Genesis 1 created a world where God separates himself, his glory from his creation. He does that on day two, and he doesn't call it good. Why would God do anything that he doesn't call good? And here is my answer. The only thing God does, the only things God does that are not called good in the moment is because you're looking at them in the middle. And you're not looking at them at the full picture. The firmament was dropped and that wasn't a good thing. But the reason God did that thing that wasn't called good was because he was anticipating the fullness of what he was going to do. It anticipated from the beginning a world where there would be no separation from the glory of God and his creation. How does that work out in our own present life? Does God do things in your life that you'd look at and say, that's not really a good thing? I mean, you don't have to lie, all right? I know it's true. God does things in my life that I look at and say, that's not really good. In fact, that's borderline bad. That's not really good. For me, the most pivotal point in my life of something that happened that was not good, was standing in the emergency room over my son's body and begging God to raise him off that table. And God didn't do it. In the moment, that seems really bad. Frankly, even today, it seems really bad. But if I'm honest, I was talking to Andrea about it. You know, if God would have resurrected Judah, resuscitated him, that if that had been successful, and they would have brought him up off of that table, and we could have had a normal life with him, You know who I never would have met? I never would have met Lucy. And I never would have met Peter. If you know some of my story as well, our story, Andrea's not here, it's not just mine, but you know we had four miscarriages and I just remember how awful and depressing and just terrible, I remember feeling so helpless as a husband. And how crushed Andrea was and felt like there was something wrong with her. But you know what? Had those babies lived, I never would have met Judah in the first place. I would not have met Adeline Kate. I wouldn't have met Ainsley either. Now, do we trade one child for another child? Of course not. But as time has passed and I reflect on why God allowed something that was not good in my life, I look at this story in Genesis and I see, you know what? From the beginning, God was allowing things that were not good for one reason. To anticipate the final act of completion where God reveals his Full goodness without hiding any of his glory I can't have Judah Peter and Lucy here but I can have them there and if I had kept Judah here I wouldn't have the other two here or there I'm not saying I understand it now I'm just saying, the reason God does things that are not good is because what you're looking at and I'm looking at is not yet finished. But when it is, whatever it will be like will sound like this, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be no more mourning nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things and all of our questions will have passed away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we think about the not good things in our life, Lord, and we come to this text, we're reminded you were doing things that were not called good from the beginning for your own purposes but also for our good. Lord, I pray you would encourage the heart of my friends here today that as they look at the moment of their life and cannot see how anything good could come out of it, Lord, that they would be reminded right now we just see in part, but there's coming a day when we will see it. Lord, thank you for being a God who does all things good. And if it doesn't appear that way, it's because we're not looking at the master. We're looking at the moment. Touch our hearts, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen.